This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus reward registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Here we go. Okay, so joining me today, a voice you'll all know if you listen to Radio Bristol after match, uh, it's Ian. Ian, good morning. Morning, Dave. Right, as I'm going to do with all the guests we get on the Forever uh, Bristol City, I'm going to ask a few quick questions at the start. First game you can physically remember going to? First game I can physically remember going to was 68-69 season. Um, we were what was then called the second division. And we beat Aston Villa 1-0 on a Tuesday night. Uh, I was in the open end with my uncles and Bobby Kellard scored screamer of a left foot shot from midfield uh, into the top keeper's top left-hand corner at the East end. And I'm just looking at the attendance that night and the attendance was 15,203. Cause I was looking at some of the attendances we've had over the years and it was quite interesting um, to see what the attendances were when we plummeted from what's now the Premier League to what's now League Two. So, so that would be an interesting thing to talk about perhaps a bit yeah. later on. Yeah, very sad. I was in that 15,203 as well, and I can actually remember that game. In fact, when we prepped the question, I knew it was Villa, but there you go. OK, highest point in your uh, 50-odd years as a Bristol City supporter? Well, it would have been the promotion season under Alan Dix. I mean, yeah. to, for Bristol City to get in in the first division as it was then, and it's now the Premier League, was a, a really high point. And it was done in a 42-game season with, I think we only used, I think it was either 14 or 16 players that season to achieve that. And eight of the players played every single game. Yeah. And like I said, it was a 42-game season. It was only two points for a win. Yeah. So I, I think that was a... Uh, that was an interesting, that was an interesting thing, and obviously now it's gone up to forty six and three points. So points comparisons are meaningless. But yeah. Yeah. It, it was, um, we had a team of eleven players, and yeah, okay, we had some really talented players in that. We had the best centre forward I've ever seen at Bristol City, which was Paul Cheesley, um, and the best centre half I've ever seen at Bristol City, which was Gary Collier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and th- that that team was a team. It was a a, a tight unit of a. 
never in those days go out drinking together and they, they stayed together and they played together. And uh, it was a great time to be a City fan. Let's take it the opposite end of the scale then. Lowest point ever as a City fan. I think the lowest point um, was the relegation down to what's now League Two and, and going to the bottom of League Two. And some of the crowds at Ashton Gate then, I was, I was just looking at, at those and you're talking threes and four thousand which you you'd get for a friendly these days or in one stand or a testimonial or whatever you want you get more for a testimonial yeah yeah no dark days indeed so, were you, were you amongst those this was the year before were you amongst the uh, fans that went across to Newport thinking it was going to be the club's last ever game that January because that we, we were still in league yeah. one then but we were still going down but you were there that was probably the lowest point for me. Um, but, uh, OK, best player ever to wear a City shirt, in your opinion. Not favourite, best player ever to have worn a City shirt. I, I think if you, if you look at it, it would very much depend on are you talking about that player at his best or that player when he played for Bristol City? Um, when, you he know, played for us. when he played for us, it has to be when he played for when, us. When he played for us... The player I enjoyed watching most when he was on form was Jackie. Mm. Um, because he could do stuff that other players just wouldn't even think about doing and couldn't do. And yeah. I think he was a quality player on his day. Yeah. Um, you know, and anybody that can score three or four goals in a, in a European uh, I think he did when he was he playing for Celtic and he got yeah, three or four goals. I think he did. Okay. And, I mean, fantastic player. But we've had some brilliant players over the years that, you know, I mentioned Gary Collier, fantastic centre back, had everything. He, what he'd been, he'd have been worth 50 million, 60 million in, in the modern game because he could, he was a footballer as well as a centre half. He could do all the ugly stuff, yeah. but he was a player as well. Norman Hunter didn't realise what a good footballer Norman Hunter was. Until yeah. he signed for Bristol City, because at Leeds he was surrounded by. I mean, you're not going to get on free kicks if the other side's got Eddie Gray, Johnny Giles, and Peter Lorimer. But no. when he came down and played for us, um, he was smashing in free kicks from 25 yards. I remember when he got against Leeds yeah. at Ashton Gate when we beat them. So tremendous. He scored players. one in one oh, game as well, I think, Hunter. You might remember this when his boot flew off. I got a feeling that might have been against Everton up the covered end, around about 78, 79, something like that. But uh, yeah, he was a character. Sadly, uh, no longer with us anymore. Okay, again, other end of the spectrum. Worst player ever to put on the red shirt. Oh, well, that's a, that's a crowded field, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, some people would say, well, I was asking somebody this the other day and they they plumped for Forbes Phillips and Masters um, who was the epitome of a League One League Two head it kick it not much else centre back Uh, um, we we signed a player once that was going to go on to play for England called Marvin Harrier and I don't think he ever played yeah Um, so we've had a number of players and there's a number of players that have played for us that until you start looking through a, a book as I have today about looking at, you know, and I can remember there's a guy here who played for us in score called Nichols, and I can't even remember him. Uh, Alan Nichols, centre half, fair head lad. 
There you go. Oh, right. I'm right. Getting back to, it's interesting what you say about Marvin Harriet being poor. I can think of three other players, and funny enough, they've all played in that right-back position, for want of a better description. And uh, Henry McCop, Brian Mitchell, and Gus Caesar. Or was Gus yeah. Caesar a left-back? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, let's bring it right up to the current. Now, we've no, all Gus... been... Sorry, go on, Ian. Well, uh, he, Gus Caesar was a, a centre-back come right back, and then you get the thing, oh, oh, well, you know, Arsenal haven't got bad players. And I actually believe that <laughs> until I saw Brother Gus. Yeah. And um, he, he wasn't a great player, I've got to be honest. No, um, no. But at the moment, um, playing amateur football, and he last I heard he was a security guard at Asda and Bedminster. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's 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 lots of players there. I mean, we've had lots of players that have come along that were going to be the next big thing. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Brown was one. Tristan Plummer yeah. was another. And now Tristan Plummer is playing. I think he last heard he was playing for Western Supermare, and he's on Gogglebox. Yeah. Well, if you remember Sean Penny again, going back to our early days, yeah. you know, he was a lad from Hartcliffe City. Put him through Millfield School to give him the sporting uh, training and the education, and I don't think he ever made the first team, did he? But, uh, but there we go. Um, okay, uh, let's, bring it, let's, bring it, you know, let's bring it right up to, let's bring it right up to the current, because that's probably what, what people want to talk about. And I guess it's where we are currently that prompted me to uh, start this podcast up, because um, I, I, the last game we saw prior to coronavirus was against, uh, was against Fulham, and it wasn't a bad display, but Anybody who said that they've enjoyed their football at Ashton Gate this season, with one or two exceptions on the field, has probably been lying. But we had no football for 14 weeks. And then that old enthusiasm, around about 12 o'clock on Saturday, was starting to come back. And we sat down and we watched it on our TV and we went 1-0 up. But then after that, it was dire. And it was typical Bristol City. And let's not go through the game because that's been done to death. We had no pattern, the DNA or the identity. It was never there. But then we had the manager coming up with an oft-used phrase of his in recent times. I need to select players I can trust. Now, there's two issues to consider here. Yeah, He has signed all of those players. But you and me, we both work in business away from football. What impact would that have? on a workforce of, well, it doesn't matter how many people, you could have a team of five or a workforce of 250. But if the boss stands up when he's talking to the press or whoever and says, I need to pick a team of players that I can trust. So let's look at that from a business standpoint. You know, you don't do that, do you? Well, it would have, he said two things that I thought were odd. Uh, one was this term about winning the inches. Um, and I think I've, I've heard similar phrases about oh, it, it's small margins and things like that. But that doesn't, that can mean anything you like. If I was in a company and the CEO stood up and said, you know, they're members of the workforce. You know, I'm going to select people uh, to work in this organization that I can trust. I would think. Okay, why haven't you done that already then? Because if you've recruited me to work in your organisation as a, I don't know, any a director of some kind, and all of a sudden you're standing up and saying, well, actually, around this boardroom table, 
or around this larger workforce, there's only half the people I can trust. First of all, you want to know which half you're in, don't you? And if you're in the half that aren't trusted, and you'll soon find out because you won't, you'll be overlooked for promotion, you won't get a pay rise, and in, in, fo in football terms, you won't get selected. So if I'm not in that 20-man squad, or I'm not in the first 11, on Saturday, I've got to think, well, hang on a minute, I'm one of those blokes you can't trust. Now, we had it before when Henriksen and Rowe got dragged off at Huddersfield and were never seen again until Rowe got selected over to Silva versus Blackburn. Now, I thought up until then, Tommy Rowe had been a, a, a decent player. He's not, you know, he's not the finest player we've ever had by a long way, but he's left-sided. He can play left-back. He can play left-midfield. And he's one of the one of the players that we got that likes to tackle. Yeah. And he's one of the players that Johnson didn't sign, but he's an ex-Johnson player from Oldham. He must be thinking, well, wait a minute. The club have said they can't give me a new contract at the moment because they don't know which division they're going to be in and how things are going to stack up. Is there going to be a second spike with coronavirus? Are they going to need to cut the payroll? Etc. Etc. Um, you know, and there's an awful lot of footballers out of contract. So Corey Smith has is, is decided to extend his contract, and I think there's two reasons in that. One, because I think he would genuinely like to stay at Bristol City. Drew some faint praise from from Johnson, and the other thing he said, he when he was asked why Adam Naj wasn't there, he said, well. You know, we'll have to. I'd rather keep those reasons to myself for the moment. Now that starts a complete rumor mill. Yeah, yeah, totally. Whereas agree. if he'd said he didn't make the squad today, but I intend to include him next week, and everybody's going to get their chance, that question goes away. Yeah, yeah. Well, it never gets asked, does it? Oh, well, he no, the squad no, now, no. But... It just exacerbates the situation. It really, uh, it really, really does. And let's talk about contracts. So, so, so it starts people thinking, well. What's going on? What's he done? What's he going on? Talking about yeah. contracts, yeah. I mean, again, this is a thread running on uh, OTIB at the moment. Sheffield Wednesday, they're in disruption because they've got numerous players out of contract. Those include Fletcher, top scorer, and always a thorn in our side, Forestieri. You're Gary Monk, right? You've had an indifferent start at Sheffield Wednesday. You want to finish as high up the league as possible, Yeah. Does he play those so-called malcontents who don't want to sign? If he does play them, makes our task more difficult, or does it? Have they got the right mindset? So let's look forward to Saturday's game. Yeah, Do you think we can put out a team that can raise their game, but it, will it be against a side that's in, in potential disarray if there's trouble behind the scenes there? Well, every, every time that I see a report saying uh, a club are in disarray and they've got a huge number of injuries, and basically they've got... I don't even know from the motorway services on the way down to make the team. I always think we're going to come up against somebody that's going to scrap and they're going to beat us. Um, and I've heard it so many times over the years and it never, ever comes... Very, very rarely comes true. So I would... I would say that it's up to the players and Gary Monk will know the players on the training ground. He'll see what they're like. And if they're already on the beach, he'll probably, probably won't even bring them. Um, 
if they say no 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 we want to you know we're contracted to the end of june which is only another week boss we really really want to play um and it would help them go in the shop window now we also you imagine if fletcher's playing he's their top scorer this year and because he hasn't played a lot of football in the first 15 minutes he does his hamstring that's a freedom of contract and probably the last lucrative move of his career gone yeah so if i was him a little bit like lyle taylor at charlton I'd be saying, no, mate, sorry. Um, you know, at this point in my career, I cannot take the chance of getting injured. So I don't think it's entirely Gary, Munt, Gary Munt's call. Um, and if he makes the call and those players aren't really up for it, then he looks at, he looks a chump in front of his chairman. Yeah, let's switch it back to us because, look, I mean, let's hope we put in a performance against Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday, get a win. Look, we need to win... We've got we've only got eight points. Sorry, yeah, five points out of the last eight games. We're to have any chance of getting up, we've probably got to get 15, 16 minimum to get that sixth place because that's the only thing that's achievable for us. And we've got a poor goal difference. So even if we level on points, you know, unless there's a big improvement, we're gonna fall short. But let's this is hypothetical situation, right? Let's say we draw against Sheffield Wednesday, uh well, beat sorry, beat Sheffield Wednesday, lose at Forest, and get a draw against Cardiff. Right? We've then got, I think, five games left after that. But our chance of getting in the playoffs gone. Yeah. Now Lee Johnson is then in the situation where the chances of playoff has gone. Some players does he use those final five games of the season to experiment with different lineups, or is there so much uncertainty? You know, with players coming back who can't play that. Those lineups. Well, maybe Zach Viner would get in the team, and, and whatnot. Or does he think I was told that playoffs were a minimum, so I've got to play the best possible side I can because you know I've got to finish seventh. You know I don't want to end up finishing tenth or twelfth, which is where I think we could end up, and therefore the the, the chairman I failed to live up. So if the playoff chance is gone within ten days, which could happen. Let's hope it doesn't. What does he do in terms of the sidey field for the last five games? Well, I think against Sheffield Wednesday, he's got to play his strongest team. And um, does he know what that is? Does he know the strongest team, uh, the strongest no, lineup? No, I don't. I don't think. And this is another thing about the fact that, with the exception of Corey Smith, I think he signed everybody that's down there. So he's made he's made fifty three signings, uh, that includes loans. Uh, three loans are still there. Henriksen's obviously um, left already, and that was our, if you like, our freedom of contract player. Um, and my view is he should play a three five two. We need to bring Ashley Williams back to organise the defence because Callas. Hasn't had a great season, let's be honest. For £8 million, he's been very disappointed. He let the club down badly by going on international call when he wasn't fit and not looking after himself when he was there. Uh, and Nathan Baker, if you said if you said to somebody up at Black Available for £12.5 million, uh, I don't think there'd have been any takers. Mm. Uh, and as Paul Merson said... Uh, Bristol, as they call us. Bristol have got some good players, but I can't see what they're trying to do. 
Yeah. So I think that that's a problem that Lee's got. My own view is that um, if I was uh, picking the side, I'd bring mind power back in goal because Bentley seems to have lost confidence. Which is um, why Brent, which is why Brentford let him go because I've got Brentford fans who said you signed a bit of a dead duck there, even though he was good a couple of years ago. But anyway, mind power in goal. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. mind power in goal. Uh, the three at the back would be Williams in the middle, Callas to the right, Baker to the left. Because uh, I think Williams is a leader as well as a decent centre yeah. back. He's better going forward. Um, I think he's got the second highest number of assists to Eliasson. Yeah. Um, Jada Silva is a left wing back. The three in the centre of midfield is interesting. I would play Benkovic or Zach Viner as a holding midfield player in that midfield because you need height, strength, and power. And the midfield, we had it. Um, so I play, probably start with Benkovic and see how Viner does. I play Corey Smith to the right and either Masengo or Tommy Rowe to the left because we need three in midfield to compete. Yeah. Now you've got Masengo gets about the pitch. Uh, Rowe would definitely have more goals in him because Masengo hasn't got a goal and assist in 20 some odd games. Yeah. Um, and up front, I'd start with a phobie and Jiju. Yeah. And then if a phobie can only last 45 minutes, if you can do that and score a couple of goals, then you bring on Naki Wells. I'm assuming yeah. Vyman's still not available. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I would do. And the subs more or less pick themselves because you've got nine of them. We've well, got nine, apparently. so it's the rest. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that... the rest. Well, we've got 26. In, I didn't realise this until I sat down and went through it the other night, but we've got... 26 players that are available um, that have been said to be in the first team squad. So um, because we've got 39 with Henriksen going, 12 are ineligible because of loans. Um, so you, you work it out from there and you take out yeah. Weinman. It's interesting. Um, it's interesting going back to that midfield. I mean, it's interesting Benkovic playing in front of the back four, almost like a Dave Rennie type of player. If you can remember that far back, the taller yeah. midfield player in there. And yeah. I shows I don't know enough about Benkovic, but that's a position he can play in, which is yeah. probably and with Henriksen going, which I guess is why he was selected. Yeah, that's yeah. gone flat as we know. And the I think you said alongside Benkovic, uh, Tommy Rowe and Corey. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of a lack of creativity there, right? And yeah. it means leaving out three players who I think finished the game on Saturday. Uh, in fact, I think they all might have started, which was O'Dowda, Eliasson, and um, Patterson, Patterson, who I know yeah. Patterson got banished on loan to Derby for whatever reason at the start of uh, this campaign back in August. But mm. all three of those seem to be favourites well maybe not so much Eliasson but where you know who, where the who, where's the creativity coming from to supply well, the phobia what, you need, uh, what um, you need to do is is well first of all you've got a threat from set pieces because you've got a lot more height in the side yeah. and that goes for defending and uh and, at and attacking um you've got um a midfield player that can score goals. I mean, Benkovic has scored, albeit from a set piece, but he, the kid scored. Benkovic is very good. At, I've seen a lot of film of him bringing the ball out. Yeah. Now, Callas and Baker aren't that can't, good at that. Can't do it. No. So you've, do it. you've got to push 
your wing backs high up the field and say, right, midfield, get the ball to those guys, get crosses in the box, yeah. push the ball through the defence, and you can have a phobie and fam. Um, fam. and fam getting on the end of crosses or picking up knockdowns or running yeah. into space. The, the issue is that we've got three really good goal scorers and another okay one. So we've got Jiju, a phobie, and Naki Wells that any club in the championship would want. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at the top clubs, Leeds and West Brom, they haven't got better strikers than we've got. No. You've then got Weiman, who who's a bit in and out, but when he plays centrally, he can score goals. Yeah, yeah. So you've got those four players. Now, if you're not going to cross the ball or or play him in, now some people might say, well, okay, don't play Tommy Rowe, play Palmer. Because Palmer links well with a phobie, as we all know. Play him on the left side of that midfield. The only issue with that is that he's an absolute liability in defence. He gives away silly free kicks. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I think he, he can tackle. He's just not very good at it. Yeah, um, yeah. But he will get forward. He will score the odd goal and he will get an assist. So it may be that you play him there. And then if you're 2-0 up with... 15 minutes left and, it, and, it, and the pressure's coming on, then swap him for a more defensive player. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I mean, if you look at it, we had two wingers on the pitch and Patterson against Blackburn and we had two shots on target. Yeah. So, Basically, lack of creativity. Just, it's just a general lack of creativity, even though, in theory, there should be creative players. Ian, I want to push on just... Well, to, we haven't so, got... Okay. Yeah, I mean, because what just, we can I'm do, we can gonna, talk again... Just we can say, talk again... We can talk again on match day. Yeah, we'll talk about the match day yeah. uh, experience another time. But I just want to wrap up on a couple of points. That old warhorse Neil Warnock has popped up again at uh, Borough. I don't think yeah. I haven't looked at the table. I don't think they're in grave danger of going down because there's some pretty lousy sides there. But if he stays on next season, what price? Uh, what price uh, Borough for a top six finish if he stays there for another year and he's well into his seventies now? And then linked yeah. into that, again, about experienced managers, one of the regular contributors on um, uh, OTIB put a post up this morning, which is one of the busiest ones on there, Everton show the way. And it was suggesting that Everton had picked up uh, performances because they got rid of a mediocre coach in uh, uh, Silver, Thomas Silver, and brought in Carlo Ancelotti. And uh, we all know maybe what he was implying there. I put a reply in there. And it's something that Steve Lansdowne, he certainly did for Bristol Bulls because he went out and got Pat Lamb uh, to come. Pat Lamb had a track record of success. And uh, look at where Bristol Bulls are now. Now, it's easier for Steve to be successful with uh, Bristol Bulls, uh, perhaps than it is uh, with Bristol City. But let's look at Warnock and this experience and, and what have you. Let's talk about Warnock first and then you know, what the future might be if our season withers on the vine badly? Well, I think it, it, the the phrase that people use most often about Neil Warnock is he's not everyone's cup of tea. And he's not, you know, but he's got a track record and he's got sides and not very good sides out of the championship. It's not like he's he's, you know, had some success with Man United or Man City or... Or, you know, Chelsea or somebody that's got a ton of dough. He's done it with, he's got mediocre teams, same way that Chris Wilder did. When 
Sheffield United got promoted, they played in the championship. And if you remember that season, we did the double open. And he got a not very good side up. And he had two guys up front. The two forwards had a combined age of 74. Yeah. They got promoted. And they've done extremely well with not that many additions uh, in the Premier League. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's gone a bit pear-shaped for them since the restart. But, you know, there's reasons for that. They played some sides with it of... I mean, you know, Man United spent more on one player than they've spent on their team and their ground. Mm. So there are reasons for that. But if you look at the job that Chris Wilder's done at Sheffield United, he'd definitely be my manager of the year. Yeah. In in the Premier Division because yeah. he's had nothing to work with. Yeah. And he's done exceptionally well. Now yeah. and he was robbed, before, just to backtrack, he was robbed at Villa Park because that was a totally unfair goal that was disallowed so he, I think he would have won one drawn one and lost one but now he's drawn one and lost two isn't it or drawn well if you say that then then the West Ham West Ham scored against Sheffield United um, very very similar incident and it was given as a handball so yeah. you win some you lose some and it kind of evens itself out yeah, of, course it does. of course it does um, my own view about Warnock is there's two things. Number one, after this season particularly, and probably a lot of last season, at, particularly at home, you can't come up with the, oh, I wouldn't want to play football like Warnock plays it argument because we've been dire at home. It's not been entertaining uh, in, in the vast majority of cases. We've lacked imagination. We haven't got a creative central midfield player. It's obviously we needed one. In December, um, November, I said we must recall Morel and Walsh. We didn't. We then sold Brainell, who was the only real leader spark in midfield. And we've gone backwards since then. Yeah. Um, and I know we got seven million with the option of another two based on games, Burnley staying up or whatever. Um, but that if it's the difference between us going up and staying down, that's bad business. Yeah. We still yeah. have to, we still have to do it because once a Premier League club comes in, I mean somebody at Brighton who's I would say in the know, um, has been right about stuff in the past, told me that um Webster tripled his wages by yeah. going to Brighton. So I don't blame Josh Brownhill from twenty grand a week to sixty allegedly, yeah, wasn't it? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well I think it was fifteen to forty five, but it was an awful lot of money and that doesn't include bonuses and all the other perks. Yeah. Brownhill probably did similar, uh may not have been earning as much, but he did similar. And once the player's head's been turned, well, they, they to have go. to go. They've got to go. Yeah, of course they yeah. Of course and, and my my view is that yeah, by all means I don't care who we sell. Is who is there to select from on a Saturday, yeah, uh, and who's available and who's doing it. Um, so on Warnock, I mean, I wouldn't have had a problem if the club had said if, if we'd have done the same thing as Middlesbrough. Yeah, um, it was it less likely sense. because we were in yeah. a far better position until the Blackburn game. Yeah, we're not in a terrible position now, but we need to pick up about two points a game. Minimum, so that means win one, draw one, win one, draw one. Yeah, if, if we're going well, we've get... got to get we've got our last eight games, it's got to go something like five, two, one, or six, not two. That's it, right? Anything less, 
and we're not going to do it. Yeah. Right. Just to finish, another story in the press. I think Greg has mentioned it on This Is Bristol this morning, that a bit of unsettlement at Burnley. Sean Dyche could be walking. Lee Johnson and Mark Hughes are the early contenders. Now, Lee has his detractors down here, but in the eyes of uh, the outside world, away from Bristol, he's had season-on-season season improvement, profitable in the transfer market. I think Lee's got a chance of getting the Burnley job if it comes up. Or would he go because he's bulletproof down here? Well, that you, he's got to do some serious thinking. I mean, uh, you mentioned Pat Lamb earlier on, and, and I would be amazed if Pat Lamb is earning any more than half what Lee Johnson is. Because rugby union's a, a different game. He might be on even less than that. Um, my, my guess is Lee Johnson will never get a better job than he's got here in terms of job security. I think he's got more, more job security than Saltshire, Pep Guardiola and um, Frank Lampard. Yeah. And, and they are well-liked by their respective clubs. Yeah. But they are expected to win things. Now, Lee has never won anything in football. No. No. I think he's done 300 and some odd games as a manager. Um, he's never won it. Um, he's, you know, we got close in the semi-finals of um, the Cup uh, against Man City. Um, and we were a better side then. We were yeah. actually more entertaining to watch. Yeah, we were. Uh, well, no, I, I said to a number of people, you included, uh, offline. I mean, we that that season, seventeen eighteen, when uh, we went into Christmas and we had that match against Wolves. Yeah, we'd beat Man United. We were one 0 up against Wolves, and then it all went wrong there. We lost, I think, two days later, five 0 at Villa. And whilst we put up a show against Man City, in that now two and a half years since then we've only won, it's either 20 or 21 home games out of 50, 51, right? And that is why there's a lot of fans, when you read the forum, a lot of fans are very disappointed. If we had our away results at home, I don't mean performances because you pay differently away from home, but if our home form had been as good as our away form has been, I think there would be less unrest in the, less unrest in the, camp, in the camp. But just to finish, one final thing. And we'll probably talk uh, on match day this weekend anyway. But right here, right now, score prediction for this coming Saturday. It, it's really difficult because if you said our home form, if, and it all begins with if, if we play the three-five-two and we play our, our strongest side, uh, with three in central midfield and with Williams back, etc., and a holding midfield player, which might be, it might not be Benkovic, it might be Viner. Um, I would go City 2-1 Yeah I hope so um, I hope so And Because we need it And then we need to see Where we are after that But as it stands As you say we'll, That would give us What, 58 points? Yeah um, And I think we're going to need A minimum of about 72 73, 70, yeah. 73. Yeah. I mean it's been the, the average over the last seven or eight years has been 76 yeah or even slightly more so yeah but this season I think it'd be a bit different because it's more competitive but yeah. with the fourth most expensive squad in the league you know, in terms of market value we expect um, more 
we we should more. be in the top six. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Ian, thanks ever so much for uh, running through this. This last uh, 30 minutes or so It's interesting as always. Yeah, I always enjoy uh, listening to you. I know you probably have your detractors uh, as well. Uh, but like me, you're a City fan of 50 years standing. We always want what's best uh, for the club and yeah. uh, we'll always be down there. So, Ian, uh, for now, thanks a lot for contributing and uh, just going to end the it's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you're still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.